believe every person has a right to basic knowledge of how to optimize their mind, body, and spirit. Here, I bring to you influential individuals and ideas to help you live a more healthy, fulfilling life. I'm Julie Fouché, and I'd like to welcome you to Pursuing Health. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. This is episode number 30. I can't believe we've actually reached 30 episodes and that we're almost at a year since we started with episode number one. This is a very special and exciting episode for me. I get the opportunity to sit down with a courageous young woman named Nadia Johnston, and she opens up about her long struggle with eating disorders and depression, as well as how CrossFit has helped her to once again enjoy and become a productive member of society. This year, she completed her first year studying psychology at McGill University in Montreal, and I sat down with her a couple of weeks ago to discuss how her struggles began, some of the different stages of her recovery process, how she first found CrossFit and how it's helped her to change her relationship with food and her body, as well as the importance of the support she received from her family, friends, and the CrossFit community and helping her to get to where she is today and her plans for the future. Before we get started, I have a few quick reminders. First of all, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a five-star rating. You can also head to my website, juliefouché.com. There you can enter your email to stay in the loop with the podcast and everything else I'm doing with my bi-weekly newsletter. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So like Nadia, if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com. I'll select some of these stories to share on future episodes. If you're interested in training with me, check out my program through Beyond the Whiteboard. This is the actual training I do now, five days per week, an hour per day, and it's scheduled out for you minute by minute from warm up to cool down. Through the end of June, we're offering a free two-week trial of the programming, so it's a great time to check it out if you're interested. For more information or to try it out, visit beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché. So with that, let's get started here with episode number 30 of Pursuing Health featuring Nadia Johnston. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm here with Nadia Johnston and she has reached out to share her story. She has an incredible story. She's overcome a lot of challenges and I'm excited to hear more and learn more about her and then share it with all of you. So welcome to the show, Nadia. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Awesome. So um, you reached out because you've had a long struggle with eating disorder, um, body image issues, depression, um, and have come out much stronger um, on the end, it sounds like. So I want to get into all of those details um, about your journey and where you're at today. Okay. Cool. So let's start. You wanted to start at the beginning when when all this sort of came out and started to affect your life. Yeah. So it started when I was about 16 years old. Okay. Um, I had just gone through a breakup and was, you know, very emotional and naturally because I was, you know, sad, I wasn't very hungry. And then I kind of noticed that I was like losing a little bit, a little bit of weight. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, this is something I can focus on. 
And what started off as really innocent ended up turning into this like awful cycle. Okay. And I lost, I mean, I was always pretty small and then I lost like, you know, 15, 20 pounds like really quickly. Wow. And at first it was more, I guess, the traditional anorexia. So really controlling my eating and exercising a lot. So like I would count all my calories and then make sure that I would burn it all off at the gym that night, just running on the treadmill forever, okay. which now okay. sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now <laughs> that you know. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how it started. And then it spiraled and I became like uh, lost control over my eating. So I would go through binge cycles and then not eating for a few days and then binge cycles, which mentally was a lot harder because I'd lost all control mm. over my habits. Okay. Whereas at least earlier on, I wasn't eating and I was tired all the time, but I felt completely in control. And that was, I mean, even to this day, thinking back, it's a very addictive feeling to have. Absolutely. Um, but then it got to the point, I was on my last year of, uh, of high school and I was, I had worked on this, you know, French assignment for a really long time. And I realized that I handed in the rough copy because I was just so out of it at all times. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, falling over in class and just like not being able to focus. And then for me, like academically seeing the hit that it was taking, I started to really panic. And I was like, okay, this is getting out of control. Like I need to do something about it. Okay. And I reached out to my parents who were supportive from the beginning, my school was extremely supportive, and I got the help at uh, the Montreal Adolescent Clinic. Okay. Um, and that's how my journey to recovery started, and it was a very long journey, and I, I was hoping it was going to be more straightforward, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't. But never how you I, plan it. Yeah, exactly. It was never how I planned it, but at least I didn't... Um, you know, I know some people who didn't seek out treatment for years, mm-hmm. and that was not the case for me. And I think that had a huge impact because the longer you let it go on, the harder it is to break that cycle. Um, so I started treatment, but the whole lack of control in my life really caused me to have a lot of depression. Okay. And I graduated high school, and in Montreal we have CJEP, so instead of doing like grade uh, 12 and then four years of university, we go to CJEP for two years and we do one less year of high school and one less year of university. Okay. Um, so I started in my program, which was health sciences, which was something I was really you know, passionate about. I had always wanted to go to med school, but I got, found myself there and I just couldn't focus. I you know, would be talking in class, not doing any of my work, just mm-hmm. like sleeping all day long. Um, and I came home from school one day and I just told my parents, I'm like, I dropped out. I, I just can't do this. And um, I'm like, I'm leaving to travel. I'm, you know, I, I guess part of me thought that if I just left, I would leave all my problems behind. Right. And uh, I'd come back and fresh and ready to go. But they kind of, you know, follow you everywhere. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I let it go on. The In terms of getting treatment for the depression, I think I, I let it go on way too long. And uh, it really ended up coming to bite me. Because so when I got back to Montreal, I tried to go back to school, finished the semester, uh, started my second semester, then dropped out and just like just spiraled very, very quickly. I moved back home. I wasn't getting out of bed. Then my for my mom, it was like so hard, you know, just trying to get me like up in the morning, just like let's just walk around the block, you know, and I was seeing a psychologist. I was trying different medications. It wasn't working. And I just got to the point where I was like, it's been years now. I'm, you know, that I've been in this state of just like lack of control and really just depressed and not wanting to live anymore. And I decided that I had enough 
And one night, I just, I left the house, took the car, uh, drove up to, and Montreal has a mountain, <laughs> drove up to the mm-hmm. top of the mountain, and just decided, like, that that was it, that's where I was going to call it. And, um, I like, I, I guess I started uh, my plan, and then halfway through, I realized that my room was a mess, and <laughs> I hadn't left a note for my parents, and it was just a disaster, and I I couldn't go through with it. And I'm glad, like that's you know, those are the I things that came into so your mind. Superficial, <laughs> but like that's what really got me. I'm like, my room's a mess. I can't do this, you know. <laughs> and I laugh about it now, but uh, and I called my. He's pretty much my brother. We've known each other since we were four. Mm-hmm. And I called him, and I was just crying hysterically on the phone. And he didn't even he didn't even question it. He just I remember yelled at his girlfriend. Was like, give me the car keys, and he found me and brought me to the hospital was there with me every step of the way and like never you know even through to the drive there he was very supportive of me and I think the support that I got from that moment was Mm -hmm. just really set me on the right path and then I got um, put into the day program at the Montreal General Hospital which really helped me get back onto this routine, even if it was really simple. It's just like, I have to be there for 9 a.m. You know, like I have the privilege of getting into this program. Like I got to be there. And just that got me out of bed. Then it was, you know, I'd add of like one extra goal for that day would be like, okay, let's try and go to the gym like once a week. Even if you just walk in and you're like, that's it. I can't do this. And I turn around like you got there, you know, and uh, got on the right medication. And I think definitely you know, I tried a few medication and finally I found one that really worked for me, especially because a lot of antidepressants, like there's some weight gain involved, which for me was extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I found one that that didn't happen and it just, it gave me the energy to kind of be able to, to set up some daily, uh, task or daily routine. And Mm -hmm. it snowballed from there. And I was introduced to CrossFit and, that really then changed my body image issues and helped me get my eating back under control. And then it just like skyrocketed. I just like went from being like, can't do school, can't do anything to I can work, I can train, I can go back to school. And like, I started slow, you know, I took three classes my first semester, but then I went up to five and I graduated CJAP and I got into McGill University and first semester I took four classes and I'm a full-time student. And, you know, it's just like, it's mind boggling to see where I've come from mm-hmm. um, and just how CrossFit has just truly, it has allowed me to now get off of my medication. Um, but like the biggest effect for me is really like I have a normal relationship with food again and I can eat food without being too anxious and that like that for me is just the best part of it really. Wow. That is such an incredible story and I'm so glad to see you in such a good place now. Um, I want to I want to talk a lot about CrossFit and what impact that has had on you. But maybe first you could talk a little bit about some of the different stages of treatment you went through mm-hmm. and before you got to the point where you found CrossFit and what that treatment was like and what worked well for you, what was challenging. Um, you said this just having the support was a was a big factor in setting you on the right path. Yeah. My uh, parents were always very supportive. They never questioned the validity of um, my mental illness. They saw it for what it was and were uh, there for me from the get-go. And, I mean, in Canada, we have public health care, and so sometimes being able to see a, a psychologist can take a long time. And I was fortunate to be in a financial situation where I could go private. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so from the beginning, I was able to see a psychologist at least once a week. Wow. Um, alongside the medical care that I was getting. So at the beginning, I was at the hospital. You know, I'd have to go get the regular tests to make sure that my my body was going to be able to sustain what I was doing to it. Mm-hmm. So just you know. I mean, I can't remember the exact span of the tests that we did, but just making sure that my heart rate was okay, my circulation was okay, mm-hmm. um, you know, having like a, a weekly check-in, mm-hmm. and when I would go through, you know, sometimes through treatments, I would go through dips, and I'd have to go more often, and I remember I, I got to a point at one point where I would be like binging like crazy on the weekends, but then not eating anything from like Monday to Friday, so my heart rate was just like all over the place, Okay, and if any, like... I wasn't as skinny anymore, but that was the biggest risk for me because my body was not getting any nutrients for multiple days in a row. Um, And then, you know, during that period, I was kind of followed around everywhere I went. And my parents were really monitoring like (laughs) what I was eating. And I remember trying to argue, be like, no, Diet Coke, like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, like I drank a whole liter of it. And my mom being like, no, honey, that's not going to work. She being like very stubborn along the way. Um, I know know that can be a big... um, a big component is making having your family on board going through the treatment process and your success because it is at the beginning it is something where you need that you need someone there to keep you on track because you're sometimes your own worst enemy at that point oh yeah it's so hard i remember being in the doctor's office and her being like why like what do you want and i was all silent looking at the floor she's like i can tell you what you want you want to be able to like be healthy without eating any food <laughs> like yes that's exactly you know that's it and she's like that's never going to happen you know that so like you need to get around that you know mindset um and it's true for a long time i was in treatment kind of hoping that like the treatment would solve the mental aspect of it and the torture that it was causing me but still allow me to be you know very skinny and mm-hmm. uh, have that level of control which i was going to have to accept that there was going to be no control in my life for a while <laughs> um so yeah so then it got me to a point where like i was eating i was very unhappy with how i looked and i you know had a real big jump in my weight um even like past what I had been before the eating disorder. Okay. Um, and so that, so then that's when the mental aspect of trying to recover from the eating disorder kind of set in. Okay. And like I said, I left to travel for a while. That was, I guess, part of my treatment in a way to realize I couldn't run away from it. Um, and then mostly therapy. Like I would see my psychologist, you know, three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that would be the only thing I did that week would just make it down the hill. She actually lived on my street, okay. like down the hill, go see her, walk back up. I'm like, okay, I did something today. Um, and then, yeah, at the hospital, just getting this daily routine in to like get out of bed really, uh, really helped. And then once I started getting on the right medication and kind of feeling like I had more momentum, mm-hmm. uh, someone who had been a friend of mine for a really long time, and uh, we actually we ended up starting to date, was doing CrossFit. Okay. And his sister was doing CrossFit as well. And we went up to, to his chalet, uh, the cottage, sorry. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, he had, you know, some like a couple barbells, some plates, a box jump, uh, skipping rope, you know, and mm-hmm. I saw him working out and I'm like, oh, this looks like really cool. And so he started to introduce me to it. And I really loved 
lifting weights. Like that was just really exciting. And then my best friend wasn't into CrossFit, but she was a, a sprinter at McGill. Okay. So she did a lot of weight training. Um, had also was like making me a program. So during the week, I could go to a regular gym, and I was deadlifting and squatting. And I remember uh. the first time I tried to deadlift, I fell backwards. I had like so little <laughs> mobility. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's what that's what really got me into it. And that summer, I just did it out of the garage and whatever workout that you know my boyfriend would create for me. Mm-hmm which now I think was just so mean. They were so painful. <laughs> right? What was he trying to do to you? <laughs> I remember it was like seven minutes of burpees. I didn't make it through the seven minutes. But, uh, oh, that, uh, one's, that one never gets easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I started off kind of more at a boot camp style gym. Okay. Uh, they incorporated a lot of CrossFit, but it was a woman style gym. And that really helped me kind of yeah, uh, get control of my food as well. But I, I really wanted to do more weightlifting and more gen- uh, classic style CrossFit. Mm-hmm. So then I went to CrossFit Waverly, and now I'm at CrossFit Pro One. Um, their team actually has gone to the games for the last uh, two years. Wow. And the coaches there, they know my, my history, and they've been very supportive. And uh, it's been really, really great. And now I get to, you know, Go to focus on how much I can lift and what it is I can do. And when I have dips in my mood or when I, you know, start to realize, let's say I've put on a, a pound or two, I'm like, I know what works. Like, I know what I can do. I just got to get back into it. And like, now that I have a plan, even sometimes when I fall off of it, like during midterms, things can get hectic, you know, mm-hmm. and I start freaking out. I'm like, calm, like, you know, it works. And that's just so reassuring. So you go in, you have the community and it's, it's really, it's, it's changed everything for me. That's incredible. You talked a little bit about just how you now have that focus of your PRs or how much weight you can lift instead of maybe the weight on the scale or how many calories you're burning on the treadmill. But how else has CrossFit helped to change the way that you look at your body or the way that you look at food? Um, well, in terms of the way I look at food now, it's I want to be able to perform in the gym. I want to be able to, you know, feel comfortable with the weight that's on on my back. Um, and so I, I really see food as, as, uh, fuel more Mm -hmm. than, you know, something to punish myself with. And so I can go out and yes, I can enjoy a meal that's not as healthy as it should be, let's say, Mm -hmm. and not feel guilty about it. But then also during the week, like I eat to be able to like go to the gym later on and feel good. Mm -hmm. And so it's really changed my relationship from seeing food as this really negative thing that's causing me to like get fat Mm -hmm. to this, you know, something that allows me to perform better at the gym and it's going to give me more energy at the gym. And in terms of the community, just no one, like the fact that there's no mirrors at the gym, Mm -hmm. you know, and across the gym was really helpful for me because it wasn't like a constant reminder of this is my body, that is her body. You know, um, it was really just focusing on what you were doing Mm -hmm. and just people cheering you on no matter uh, where you are in your your training, and and especially like at the, the gym that I go to, we have a couple of athletes that have gone to the games and the team, so we have some amazing athletes there. Mm-hmm. And like I'm nowhere near that. And there's this, but there's this wide spectrum, and it doesn't matter. You know, like this was my first year doing the open, and mm-hmm. just like having them cheer me on, even though it really didn't matter what my score was going <laughs> to be, you know, and just like being there was really like emotional for me. And uh, I just, it felt really great. So the community is a huge part, even if they don't realize it. And maybe not all of them know my story. It's just like having that there, having that support for something that's not, you know, related to my body um, is really helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 
how I know that, you know, in CrossFit, a lot of people um, will maybe do a zone diet or will be very particular about measuring your food. Is that mm-hmm. something that you've you've maybe steered away from or, or you're it, I, I know that sometimes individuals with eating disorders might steer away from something like that where they're counting blocks or calories um, just because of their history and their tendency to maybe fall back into bad habits. But what's your experience with that? Um, Actually, this this summer I had tried to, um, my coach had kind of given me a meal plan and yeah, it involved measuring my food Mm -hmm. and it turned out to be really triggering for me. Um, So I ended up, I stopped doing it because if I fell off of that plan, I felt like I had ruined the day. Okay. And then I was kind of b- back in the cycle where I was like, well, this day is ruined anyways, so I might as well just eat whatever the hell I want. Mm. And then, you know, that, that cycle was starting and I noticed very quickly and I just realized like, this is not, it's not going to work for me. Um, what, so, what, was it easy for you to, f- to figure that out quickly? Um, or how did you stop the cycle early on? Um, I was, a little bit concerned about it before I even started. I okay, was, so you were on high alert. <laughs> I was on high alert, yes. Okay. Um, that's, you know, even in other aspects of my life, I'm kind of always on high alert when mm-hmm. I start to deviate from what I know works for me. Um, but so when I got the plan, I was like, okay, this is going to involve me measuring my food and I don't know how I feel about this. And I started and I found myself that, yeah, any time that I like had an extra, even if it was something healthy, like more banana than I was supposed to be having that day, you know, right. I was like, oh no, I went off the plan and I freaked out. <laughs> um, so I decided that I was going to focus on just eating properly and making sure that I ate the uh, right amount of food. Mm-hmm. And so I got myself this Tupperware that like approximately based on like what fit in that Tupperware. Okay. I was like, okay, I know that I have enough food now for, um, for this training day. So that, that has worked for me. And that's kind of an in-between where I don't know exactly how much food is in there, but, mm-hmm. um, I know that it's the appropriate amount. So that's a great but, strategy. Uh, yeah, measuring is very triggering for me still. That's a great strategy and good insight. I think, um, just the, the fact that you have that insight to be able to be on high alert and to know when you start something new that you want to pay attention to what's happening and catch yourself early if things start to mm-hmm. spiral in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Um, and now you're at McGill University and you said you're studying psychology. So yes. what has has your personal experience influenced you in your decision to study psychology and what do you hope to do in the future? Uh, it's definitely influenced my decision. I always wanted to study medicine. Okay. Um, but I think in the past I'm like, medicine sounds cool, but you know, beyond like, I like helping people. I didn't really understand why I wanted to study medicine. And now with my experience, I realized that with any form of illness, be it mental or, you know, a physical illness, um, it really prevents you from pursuing your passions in life, your goals in life, and being an active member mm-hmm. in society in, in whichever way that you want. And I realized that for me, being a physician would be allowing, like, would be allowing me to help others get to that point where they can start pursuing their goals again, get to the point where I am now where I can actively, you know, pursue my goals. And so that's really ma- uh, made me decide to want to go to medical school after undergrad. And I decided to study psychology because I find, you know, the mind such a interesting uh, thing. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so complex. Uh, yeah. And, uh, 
you know, there's there's multiple aspects to psychology. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people see it as like, uh, you know, studying personality and so forth. But I'm very much interested in uh, cognitive psychology, uh, neuroscience. So I guess more the like traditional uh, what per- people would understand is more the traditional science stream in psychology. Okay. Um, so I'm very much I'm very interested in memory and attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if if I don't go to med school, then I think I'm going to pursue research. Okay. But. Uh, but still, yeah. plenty of time to figure it out. <laughs> plenty of time to figure it out. Yeah. Which people keep telling me because I freak out. I'm like, oh my god, should I write the MCATs this summer? I don't know. What am I doing? And everyone's like, calm. It's okay. I still kind of find myself where my moods can kind of like go from like I'm fine to oh my god, to, I'm fine. You know, so. Right. I'm sure any college <laughs> student can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's amazing. And I love how you've turned your experience into a positive thing to help other people or to, you know, maybe you're working with individuals in a similar situation in the future, maybe you're not, but you know that, you know how powerful it can be to get someone back on the right track so that they're a productive member of society again and how, you know, how big of an impact you can make Mm -hmm. in whatever you end up doing. Yeah. My, um, my best friend is a, uh, also had an eating disorder actually in high Hmm. school and we were discussing like what we felt really helped us kind of turn it around because some people can deal with an eating disorder for so long Mm -hmm. we both agreed that changing our mentality to thinking of fitness in a functional way Mm -hmm. and to focus on strength just for us really changed the game and we both were um people who used exercise negatively during our eating disorders. It wasn't just about controlling our food. Okay. And like for CrossFit, you know, you really focus on what you can do and get lifting and being stronger. And as a sprinter, she really needed to like get stronger as well. And so the focus really changed. And to be able to do that, you need to eat accordingly and you need to live a certain lifestyle. And that was really what what changed the game for both of us. And I hope that at some time I find a way to kind of formulate that in a more concrete Mm -hmm. fashion that I can you know, maybe work with another organization to try and implement that. So for people who have used exercise in a negative fashion to, to be able to work towards a goal where they can use it in a healthy way and actually use it as a treatment method and help them get over it. Right. It's kind of this gray zone where it's like they were using it negatively. Now, how do we turn this around so that this can be part of their treatment plan? Right. It's one of those, yeah, those tricky things where same thing with food, you have to eat food to live. So it's not like you can just avoid it. And same thing with exercise, really to live in a healthy way, you need some form of exercise. You need to be able to move your body to be, like you said, functional. So I think that's, that's an amazing observation that you guys made. And hopefully, I hope that, that more people can turn it around and use it that way in a positive light. Um, you know, despite having maybe a, not a good relationship with exercise early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. I think also, you know, especially CrossFit with that community, I think it could be a great place for someone to, uh, you know, work towards their recovery because you have that, that support and you have an environment where people don't really care where you're coming from and they're mm-hmm. just kind of paying attention more to your progress and focusing on what your body can do and not what your body looks like. I think it's a really good environment for someone who's trying to recover from an eating disorder. And also for someone who's trying to recover from depression, I mean, it's a real good way to help to uh, to deal with it. And I'm no longer on medication, and I was for two years. Mm-hmm. And I think that like my training is a huge part of it to be able to stay off of my medication. So That's amazing. Wow. 
<laughs> wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think um, it takes a lot of courage to be so open and to share your story. But I think that a lot of people are going to um, relate in some, even if, if it's in some small way and, and hopefully you'll be able to help other people follow in your footsteps. Yeah, I, I hope so too. And I, I mean, it makes me, I'm nervous talking about this because mm-hmm. people do sometimes react negatively. Um, but I think it's important because I think for those who are going through it, hearing someone else who's made it through to the other side is, uh, is really motivating. And you're like, okay, maybe there is light at the end of the tunnel, you know? So I think, uh, I think it's important. Awesome. Well, thank you for providing that and being that light for other people. Um, I want to conclude with three questions I ask everyone on the podcast. So the first is three things that you do on a regular basis. So maybe something that's in your daily schedule or routine now that have the biggest overall positive impact on your health. Uh, Definitely training. Mm -hmm. So trying to work out, you know, four or five times a week. Um, Eating healthy and eating three times a day, which may sound a little vague, but yeah, trying to prepare some food uh, that will last me a couple of days. That really helps me eat properly and more control over my food and sleeping uh, between seven and eight hours, which is not always possible, but. <laughs> right. But that's yeah. great, especially being a college student. I know how difficult it can be to find <laughs> a good schedule where you can get that much sleep. So, yeah, that's great. Um, one thing that maybe you're working towards or you think would have a big impact on your health, but you haven't found a way to implement it yet. Um, I think focusing more on like what I'm doing and my journey and less on what other people are doing. And I see that especially now that I'm in school and around a lot of people who want to get into med school mm-hmm. and they're staying up, let's say to two o'clock in the morning studying. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not studying enough. I'm not doing it right. right. And then if anything, it's more paralyzing. So just to really focus on like, do I feel confident about what I'm doing? Do I feel like I'm giving my full effort Mm -hmm. and to just, yeah, focus down on my path. I think that's something I'm really trying to work on and hasn't been so successful yet. (laughs) I, yeah, I echo you on that one. I think it's something that, that I, I'm trying to focus on now too, is constantly just checking in with myself and making sure that I'm moving forward and not worrying about what other people think or how much, um, you know, thinking about any little insecurities that I have as I'm learning or as I'm doing anything along the way and just saying, okay, am I getting better today? Am I moving towards my goals? Um, That's the most important part and that's all you can do at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And it really helps you be able to deal with stress better when you can do that because, you know, I see that during like midterms, if I feel like I'm not giving what other people are, then it's like, you know, who am I? What kind of university student am I? (laughs) Whereas generally when I focus on myself, I end up doing very well. Like I know what I need to do. Um, But it's easier said than done, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to put those blinders on and just do what you do. Yeah, exactly. All right. Last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you? Um, I think a healthy life is being able to pursue what makes you happy in life. You know, having the physical and mental abilities to be able to do that. Because without it, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's very crippling. So Mm -hmm. I think, uh, yeah, being able to have your health to be able to pursue what makes you happy. That's 
that's what, you know, is a healthy lifestyle. If you're healthy, but you still don't pursue it, then you're, there's something missing, you know, in a way. So right. I love that. I love that. That's a great, great point to end on. Awesome. So thank you so much again for sharing your story, Nadia. Um, I really enjoyed talking with you and I can't wait to share it with everyone else. Thank you. It was nice talking to you too. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. I am so blown away by Nadia's insight into her struggles and her recovery and her willingness to share her journey with others. So I hope that regardless of your own experience, you were able to take something away from our conversation and her story. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com, where you can subscribe to my email list. Also, don't forget to share your own stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge like Nadia did, please email me at info at juliefouché.com and I'll choose some of these stories to share here on the podcast in future episodes. Also, if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. And don't forget you can train with me for free through the end of June by visiting beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché. I always love to hear your feedback, so please leave comments under this post on my website, as well as share your thoughts on social media. You can use the hashtag JFHealth with any feedback or questions or ideas for future episodes that you might have. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. Mm -hmm.